Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to review Kentucky's 62-59 loss to Louisville uh, yesterday in the Yum Center. Uh, the loss dropped John Calipari's team to 1-6 and six on the season. Uh, we're going to do that with Mark Story, my fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. We're also going to get into some Gator Bowl talk about the Kentucky-North Carolina State matchup as well. Before we get to that, a couple of things on the agenda. First, I want to thank everybody that supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com and remind you you can get a Sports Plus subscription that's a sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. Get all of our UK football, basketball, UK recruiting, high school coverage, columns. You get all of that uh, for $30 for the first year. Go to Kentucky.com, hit on that subscription button, check out all of our offers uh, to subscribe to the print edition of the Herald Leader or the or digitally to Kentucky.com and that sports-only digital subscription. Also, I want to thank everybody who has left a rating and review for these podcasts, which you can find the John Clay Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Uh, giving us a rating and review helps get the word out there. So thanks for doing that. And if you haven't done it, uh, please do. I really appreciate it. So without further ado, let's get right to Mark's story of the Herald Leader and our talk about Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my friend and colleague and fellow Herald Leader, Kentucky.com sports columnist, Mark Story. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good, John. Uh, this seems to be a recurring theme on this podcast. We uh, do the podcast, we record the podcast on Sunday, uh, late Sunday afternoon, sometimes Sunday night, but usually late Sunday afternoon after another Kentucky basketball loss. And Kentucky lost again yesterday, uh, losing at Louisville 62-59. to uh, Kentucky's now 1-6 on the season. It's hard to believe. I uh, can't believe as we sit here on uh, December the 27th that I'm saying Kentucky is 1-6. Uh, Mark, what were your impressions from the game yesterday? Well, it was uh, <laughs> it was a it was a rock fight. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, made field goals were at a premium. Uh, you know, I thought both teams played hard. I thought Louisville's backcourt going into the game, I had picked Louisville to win by one point, and my rationale was their guards would 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 pull would bail it out. And you know, I thought more or less that's what happened. I thought Carly Jones made just enough plays down the stretch and David Johnson obviously had a very good all around game and that was just, just enough to put them over the top. You know, I, I thought Kentucky played hard. They just, uh, they just have a lot of offensive limitations and they, uh, scoring points for this team is really, really hard. <laughs> yes. Uh, did we see anything of, of those limitations? We see anything any different yesterday, uh, than we, saw previously about why they're at, why that's such a struggle on the offensive end? Well, obviously, you know, Terrence Clark is hurt. And you know, it, the, the thing that was most striking yesterday to me was that the guys who played well were not the guys coming into the season. We all expected to be, you know, sort of right. front and center, you know, Davion Mintz was Kentucky's best player probably for the second straight game. Right. And Jacob Toppin gave them a big lift and, you know, played, played, you know, played really well and did make some baskets, which for this team is, you know, a very value, valuable commodity. Right. You know, Lance Ware comes in and is really active and you know, has a motor that runs and, you know, it, that that to me was the most striking thing is that the guys who played well in this game that 
you know, big rivalry game that means so much to the fans where the guys that, you know, at the start of the year were expected to be, you know, kind of the role players. Right. As you mentioned, Terrence Clark uh, didn't play a whole lot. Uh, I think he took three or four shots, missed them all. He's battling an ankle. Uh, Cal said uh, during the week that they had a player. He wouldn't identify the player, but said we got a guy who's not practicing. We hope to get him back. That was Clark who's been battling an ankle injury. Uh, Brandon Boston scored. I think he ended up with 11 points, but he was 3 of 11 from the field. Um, He's just not so far. And it's early in his career, obviously, but he just hasn't been. I mean, I think he has scored double. He may have scored double figures every game. He's been close every game, but he still hasn't had that standout game. That game where he, I mean, he was the highest rate recruit coming in, but he hasn't had that game where it looks like he's you know aggressive and is put putting things together. Yeah, you look at his overall stats. He's the team's leading scorer and I believe second leading rebounder. They're they're pretty good, but. It, off the offensive efficiency, I mean, the points he does get have come on a lot of shots, and you're right, he just hasn't had kind of that breakthrough moment. You know, you sort of you look at and go, "Wow!" Right, right, yeah, yeah. He hasn't had that moment to me where you say, "Okay, this is what I see." What the scouts saw in him, I see. You know, there's been flashes here and there, but certainly, you know, nothing consistent. Uh, but as you mentioned, I mean, I think Mintz was uh, Mintz played well. Uh, you know, he was uh, what they made five three pointers. I think he hit four of them. Uh, you know, uh, Toppin, I, th- I agree 100%. Toppin played well, 10 points, six rebounds. I think when he's on the floor, you feel like he makes things happen. Where I think he only ended up with four points and four rebounds, but I think he played 13 minutes. But when he's out there, you know, he's out there. He's battling for the ball, uh, battling on the boards. And Kentucky out rebounded Louisville. Um, so yeah, those guys. To me, I think I wrote, you know, the, the, you got to give him more playing time. I know Clark, I know Cal has said, you know, he's given his guys who he thinks are the best players, you know, uh, some room to run or, you know, that they miss, he doesn't want to kill their confidence if they miss shots and so forth. But how, how much longer can you do that? Well, I mean, I think you're at the point where you have to reward production at this point. I mean, yeah. you know, in a way it's early, but really it's not. I mean, they're into conference season and this is a, a contracted season anyway. There aren't as many games. So, you know, it's pretty much go time. Right. <laughs> what about Askew? How do you think he played? I thought he played well. I thought yeah. he played better early than late, but I thought he played well. You know, some I, somebody had sent me some kind of link back earlier in the season to some kind of um, advanced metric breakdown of Kentucky. And the claim was that Kentucky has had actually performed better when Askew and Mintz were in together. And I think just by the eye test, that looks to me to be true. Of course, the big mystery, and as a guy you wrote on, is Saar, Olivier Saar. Second straight game without scoring a field goal. He had the last shot there. I know there's a lot of debate about that last shot. I thought he got a fairly you know, open look and a makeable shot. Looked like the ball was going to go down. And then it came back out, spun out. Uh, but, what I mean, he scored 22 against Notre Dame, was obviously their best player in that game. He hasn't scored a field goal since. I mean, what, what is going on with Olivier Saar? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, that that last shot, I mean, you, the ball couldn't have been any more dead center. Right. I mean, it, it was down in the basket and came back out. You know, the I mean, and it was a good shot. Now, the only question about that is you, know, you wind up with a guy who hadn't scored a field goal in two games taking the most important shot of the game. 
but you know, I don't, in terms of the shot itself, there was nothing wrong with it. You know, it's interesting, you know, teams have been very physical with him. You know, Kentucky has been playing in all ACC schedules. So these teams know him well. So, you know, clearly the scouting report is to be rough with him. And I don't know that he's responded real well to that, but I also think he's being somewhat, um, victimized by the overall offensive dysfunction right. it's not like he's surrounded by a bunch of guys that are you know, knocked down perimeter shooters drawing the defense away from him nor does he have a lot of guys who can break you break the defense down get to the rim and set him up for open you know open layups or open dunks so you know i think i think in fairness to him and he obviously is not you know has not done especially these last two games what was expected when he came here but in fairness to him i i'm i'm not sure the situation he's wound up in is in, in is greatly conducive to successful uh, post play either yeah that, that yeah that's true uh, that's true, but it does seem like that they're playing him physical, and he's not being able to respond. And when he does respond, he ends up, you know, in foul trouble. He got a flagrant foul there uh, yesterday. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the guy that they want to play through, but yet he's not getting a whole lot of shots, not taking a lot of shots. Um, you know, it, it really is, it really is a mystery. Considering all summer we waited on what the NCAA was going to say about his eligibility thinking he was the key piece of the puzzle that if they got him they were a final if he was going to be eligible to play this year you know they were going to be a final four team if they didn't you know they they would be hurting and here he is eligible to play and they're they're one in six <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's a, it's it's been a mystery i mean obviously the expectations for him were greater and you know you look at how he was playing down the stretch last year at wake I mean, he was on an absolute tear at the end of last season. So, right, right. You, know, it, it, you know, I think we talked about last week out of that Notre Dame game, you know, Calipari comes out of that and says, okay, we're going to play through Terrence Clark and, and Olivier Saar and, and the two games since. And, I, and again, you know, Clark is hers, but, you know, neither one of them have been very effective. No, no, not at all. Uh, the other big thing with the fans and and well not just the fans but media as well as why isn't Dante Allen getting a chance I mean this team is cannot having a hard time shooting the ball <clears throat> they were under 40 percent again yesterday uh struggled again from three-point range uh they're shooting uh, they, they went into yesterday shooting, shooting 24 percent from three I think they were five of 17 for 29 percent against Louisville but yet Dante Allen can't get off the bench he didn't play play what one minute uh, against North Carolina did not play at all yesterday what what's what's going on there well that's a good question if uh, <laughs> clearly you know clearly calipari doesn't have confidence in him because he's you know i think that georgia tech game where dante you know, had turned it over three times in four minutes i think that hurt his standing in the eyes of his coach you know it's uh it i think some of the um unrest over this i think is built up from lack of in-state players you know there hadn't even haven't even been one you know play for kentucky at all the prior two years you know dante actually you know was redshirting injured last year i think some of that is built up and then i just think the fact that they're playing so poorly otherwise you know it's not like the guys that are on the floor instead of him are really getting it done so people are like well you know give him a chance 
Right, and I think they see Dante as a scorer, somebody who can put the ball in the basket, whatever his limitations may be in other areas. And I think if you watch this team play, especially from a fan perspective, you see a team that's struggling to put the ball in the basket. You think, here's a guy who this is supposed to be his strength. Why don't you at least give him a chance? Uh, you know, at least he could help you out there, and especially when he's the only player – Am I right? He's the only scholarship player yesterday who did not play because Cameron Fletcher is is not with the team right now. I believe that is correct. Yes. So you know, and I'm not a you know, and I think we've both said this. I'm not a practice. I don't see what Calipari sees in practice. Uh, and obviously, I think you're 100 percent right. He doesn't trust him right now. He doesn't have faith in him. And uh, he keeps saying, you know, Dante's got to be ready. He'll get his chance. He'll get his chance. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you don't get in the last two games the way they've struggled offensively, you have to really be wondering when that chance is, when that chance is going to come. Um, now they head into the SEC schedule. Uh, they were supposed to play South Carolina on Tuesday night. That game has been postponed because of COVID issues in the South Carolina program. So they're not going to play until Saturday when they open up at Mississippi State. Um, I wrote about the SEC for my column. that will be in Monday's paper. Uh what what's your of what you've kept up with the SEC to this point? What's your impression of the SEC strength level this year? The national perception of the SEC is that it's not very good. I don't know that I'm entirely on board with that. I think it's a bad dynamic for Kentucky because I think the perception of the league is such that if you start winning games, I don't know that you're going to get a lot of national credit. Right. But if you know you're taking losses, especially given the you know the negative narrative that Kentucky has already created by starting out one and six, <laughs> I mean I, I just think you I just think you're in kind of a, a I think it's a very unfortunate dynamic for Kentucky given that it needs a dramatic needs a, it needs to turn its season around and it needs to be perceived as you know achieving something and turning its season around and and you know my opinion I think the SEC may be a little better than and it's given credit for this year. Yeah, there's there's just two SEC teams in the top 25 right now in Tennessee and Missouri. Missouri's played well. They beat a, beat a good Illinois team. Uh, they haven't been beaten yet. Arkansas is undefeated. Georgia's undefeated. But both those teams have played pretty pretty soft non-conference schedules. The you know it's hard to figure on some of the others because we don't know. I mean, Florida's three and one, but they haven't played since the Florida State game. I think December twelfth, where Keontae Johnson collapsed, he's now out for the season. Uh, thankfully, he is out of the hospital. The Gainesville Sun reported that he has heart inflammation. I don't believe that has been confirmed by the school, but that's what the what what the paper is is uh, what their uh, their story said from sources. Uh, you know, South Carolina's only played three games. Ole Miss got off to a late start. They they have one loss, but that was at Dayton. LSU only has one loss, but that was at St. Louis. Travis Ford's team is he's got a good team this year. They're just outside the top twenty-five. I think they're seven and one. Um, there's somebody else I'm forgetting that has only only one loss. Uh, Auburn six and two, but their two losses have been they lost to number one Gonzaga. They lost to, and they lost to a UCF team that beat Florida State. So uh, I, I'm I'm kind of like you. I think the league. I think Ken Palm has the SEC right now rated as the fourth strongest conference behind the Big Ten, Big Twelve, and ACC. Um, I think the SEC is a little better this year than probably what they were getting credit for. But it's hard to tell with you know with the with the COVID and all that stuff um, on some of these teams. 
you know, the one thing that I think will be interesting, I was thinking about the remainder of the Kentucky season, and my initial thought was, I don't see how they're going to beat anybody on the road. <laughs> but, you know, with restrictions, you know, it may not be right. You know, it may not be as difficult to win it on the road. Now, the flip side of that is it may also not be as difficult for teams to win in Rupp Arena right. as it would be with, you know, a full house. But, you know, it's I was thinking, you know, do they have to go 15 and three and win the league? to feel like they can play, have a chance to make the NCAA tournament or are they at the point now where they're just going to have to win the SEC tournament? I, yeah, I don't know. That I mean, that's a good question. When you're sitting here one and six, uh, I think Ken Palm's got him finishing like 10 and 15 uh, or 11 and 15, somewhere around there. Uh, plus they have a, they do have one non-conference game left against Texas and that is at home in the SEC big 12 challenge. Uh, Texas is currently like a top 10 team that's playing really well. That is a chance there where if you could beat, if you could start to get things going, you get Texas towards the end of January, that could turn out to be a big game, especially in the eyes of the committee. Uh, but you've got to start, you know, Cal said yesterday, and I think he's right on this, they need to win a game and then start going from there, uh, just to get this confidence level of this team, uh, this team up, but uh, Mississippi State, I think, is five and three. They're so so, but Kentucky's one and six, and they're so so. So you know who knows. Yeah, Miss, I was looking at Mississippi State. They their losses. They lost in double overtime to Dayton. You know, they lost to Liberty, and they lost their season opener against Clemson. You know, the, the, so they probably lost to the three best teams they've played. Right. Their, their win, their wins are pretty nondescript. Yeah, uh, which brings us to this schedule. Cal keeps saying that he overscheduled. Uh, the schedule's too tough for this team. He he knew it. He sh- should slap himself in the head. Uh, I think I think either Sagarin, uh, I think either Sagarin or Ken Palm had him ranked while he's playing the twenty second toughest schedule on the flip side have someone pointed out to me last night they've lost to four of the teams they've lost to are not in the top 25 so they're not you know they're not losing to gonzaga and baylor and those teams and i think it might be a little easier to take the schedule if you were sitting three and three or four and three instead of one and six i don't know what do you think about that yeah i mean the diff obviously the the schedule was different this year and that the normally you know, they spend November, you know, they play in the Champions Classic, and then they play, you know, a lot of sort of directional schools right. while they sort of work in their, their new team and, you know, get the kinks out. And then they start ramping up in December and, and usually, you know, sort of seem to increase the degree of difficulty each weekend in December, sort of building up to the Louisville game. And obviously this year they didn't get to play all those, you know, early games to sort of build confidence and build their cohesion. So in that sense, it's different. But having said all that, I don't think this schedule is I mean, they've, they've played a lot of big names, but a lot of these teams don't appear to be that good. I mean, Georgia Tech is so-so. Notre Dame is so-so. I mean, I don't think North Carolina is all that. Right. And, you know, and Louisville may be really good if Malik Williams gets back and then you have those guards and, and a good big in Malik Williams. But I, right now, I don't think they're, you know, right. world beaters. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I know what he's saying and that it is different than how they normally do it, but I think he's overselling the difficulty of the schedule a little bit. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, North did North Carolina turn around, and lose to North Carolina State after they beat after they beat Kentucky. So uh, they did, yes. yeah. So uh, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, there are a lot of big names, uh, but those big names are not exactly. I'm sure that they played up to their names uh, names so far. Uh, I've seen some. 
fans say on Twitter, on social media, okay, season's over. I can't watch this team over, uh, anymore. Uh, we'll move on to next year. I just can't take it. I can't watch this team. Do you think the season's over at one and six? I think it's on uh, life support, but no, I don't think it's, I mean, I, I do think it's possible to turn it around. I mean, obviously it's got to happen now. And if you, if you ask me, you know, do I think it's likely that, do I think it's more likely that does not happen than it does from what I've seen so far? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that's the likeliest outcome, but I still, yeah, I think it's still possible that they could you know, sort of find themselves and, 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 you know, figure some things out and click and, and, and win some games. Now they're in such a hole, you know, again, uh, you know, if, unless they win the sec regular season, I'm not sure they can do enough during the regular season to, to get an NCAA tournament bid. Right. But yeah, but I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't think you can just say categorically today that, you know, there's no hope. Right. No, I don't either. And I know that, I mean, they're definitely a hard watch, especially on offense. I mean, they just don't seem to have any flow. Uh, they have a hard time getting good shots. And when they do get good shots, they don't seem to knock them down. Uh, but to me, they're interesting to watch from the standpoint, you know, and this, uh, you know, we, we, we haven't seen this before. What's been 1916 or whatever it is since they started one and six. Uh, you know, they, uh, it, it's interesting to see how, the, how this is going to play out to me. Uh, it's my curiosity to see how that can, can Cal get them turned around? Can they start playing better? Can those guys who are supposed to be the top recruits and their top producers, can they start producing? Uh, to me, I'd, to me, I still find that interesting. So we'll see. I hope the fan, I hope enough fans do that they continue to <laughs> read along and watch, and we'll see. But you know, we'll see. Um, okay, let's let's talk a little bowl talk since uh, we've got. Uh, I won't be talking to you again before the for the podcast until the uh, after the bowl game, which is uh, this coming Saturday uh, against uh, in the Gator Bowl against North Carolina State. Uh, what, what are your thoughts a week away from going into the, into the bowl game about how important this game is for Kentucky and about the matchup and that sort of thing? I think it is pretty important for Kentucky just because if you could win it, you would be beating a ranked team. You could say you've won, you know, three straight bowl games and it would put a positive ending on what was overall, I think a disappointing season. I think you, I think, you know, the one thing I took from the dreadful BBVA Compass Bowl uh, <laughs> in, after Joker Phillips' first season when Kentucky lost against Pittsburgh in a really dispiriting effort against a Pittsburgh team that, you know, was had had multiple interim coaches and you know, should have been in disarray is, you know, you know, people may say these bowls don't matter, but they do just in terms of the way people feel toward the, the end of the season and the way they feel toward the program. So, you know, I think, you know, it's, I think if Kentucky could, could, up, you know, upset North Carolina state and beat an eight and three team in a bowl game, I think it would make people feel a whole lot better toward this season. No, I agree. I think so too. I, I you know, I hope, hope hope both schools make it to the bowl game. And we've already heard, you know, about some games being canceled, some teams being unable to play. Uh, so I hope they make it there. But no, I do think I think it's an interesting matchup. I think it, I agree. I think it's an important game for Kentucky, and uh, that's another one where I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm interested to see about the offense with the uh, you know the new offensive coordinator Liam Cohen is not going to be here. He's still with the Rams in the NFL. So Mark said that you know. Guys on the current staff are calling plays. In the press conference we had with Mark earlier, it sounded like in the players, it sounds like Vince Merrill's going to have a going to have a hand in there. So that's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Yeah, it is. Now, normally when bowls, you know, I, 
there are two things I look for in trying to pick bowls. Number one, who, which team has motivation and actually wants to be there. And secondly, I'm always leery of teams that have had coaching disruption. You know, and Kentucky obviously will be that team in this bowl. So I agree. It is going to be interesting. You know, it'll be fascinating to see if they pass, if Vince right. really is calling the plays, if they're going to throw it to the tight end 40 times. Yeah, right. That's right. Well, they come out, you know, air raid, throw 50 passes, 40 of them to the, only 40 of them to the tight end. Yeah, that'll be, uh, no, but yeah, I think it's an interesting matchup. So, uh, it, you know, it's a shame it's during a COVID year and the fans, you know, the usual uh, turnout for Big Blue Nation and the players don't get to go through all the usual things they get to go through with the bowl. But I do think the matchup itself will be an interesting matchup. Uh, well, I've got you. Who's your? What about the the uh, college football playoff semifinals? Who who do you like in those games? Well, to to be really boring, I like Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I've I'm I'm at the point that you know I try to respect excellence, but Jesus, it'd be nice to see some new blood in that playoff. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it is it is. Uh, I don't know if boring's the right word, but it is. Yeah, well, you get the same teams every year. I think Alabama and Clemson are two are clearly the two best teams, and I say that you know Ohio State may be better, but I mean they've only played what did they end up playing five or six games? Six games, it, wasn't it? Yeah, it's hard to know just exactly how good they are. Um, I don't think Alabama will have any trouble with Notre Dame, despite what Dick Vitale was saying yesterday. Uh, but I haven't been that big on Notre Dame all year, although they've had a good season. I, I fully expect it to be Alabama and Clemson. I think that's a good matchup in the finals, but I'm like you. It'd be nice to see. It does seem to be like it's the same teams, you know, year after year. So, yep. uh, anything else, Mark, before we wrap this up? Well, uh, as difficult a year as 2020 has been, and it has really been difficult, you know, the Dodgers did win the World Series. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. Can't take that away from them. That's right. That's right. So uh, that's the highlight of uh, highlight of 2020. Uh, that's for sure. Well, hopefully 2021, the next time I talk to you, I guess it will be 2021 So uh, for the podcast. So hopefully 2021 will be a lot better than 2020. I'm optimistic with the vaccination and that what things will get at least somewhat back to normal at some point in 2021 and we can start having normal sports season with fans in attendance. Uh, I'm glad they've been able to keep the games going and so forth, but it, to me, they're just not the same without the without a full stadium or or a full arena i don't know about you no i think that's totally true i you know covered the what turned out to be the last cup series race at kentucky speedway with no fans and 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 then the kentucky derby with you know just just the connections very few fans and and then the football games with some fans and yeah you just the the lack of energy the the fans are a really important part of 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 mass spectator sports and uh it'll be nice uh hopefully to get back to normal soon and 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 have that have those atmospheres back yeah no doubt about it even when you're watching it on tv and i I thought yesterday was a good example i mean with uk you have only three thousand people there at the yum center there were points in that game where you you know you knew the fans were really going to get into it either to get behind Louisville or to you know try to rattle Kentucky and you know that just didn't happen you just don't get the same effect with 3000 fans so uh, my big hope for 2021 is we can at some point in 2021 when it's safe for everybody we can get back to that so 
Uh, well, be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Uh, check out all of his coverage this week. We'll have plenty of coverage leading up to the bowl game uh, with Mark, Josh Moore, and myself. So be sure and check that out. Check out uh, Josh Moore HL on Twitter as well leading up. And as I said, Kentucky opens up SEC play on Saturday against Mississippi State. Jerry Tipton will have plenty of coverage. Follow him on Jerry Tipton uh, on Twitter at Jerry Tipton as well. Mark, as always, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Check him out on Twitter, Mark C. Story. Check out all of his columns on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. Check out all of our coverage uh, leading up to the bowl game on Saturday. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Like I mentioned, we'll have plenty of football coverage leading up to the bowl game. We'll have a podcast later in the week uh, previewing the bowl game between Kentucky and NC State. Uh, also, Kentucky, as I mentioned, opens up SEC basketball play on Saturday. It's a 6 o'clock start down in Starkville against Mississippi State. We'll have plenty of coverage leading up to that as well. So thanks again for listening to the podcast. Happy New Year to everyone, and we'll be talking to you again soon.